Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Breaking News in Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy, the latest evidence on emerging cardiac myosin inhibitors. To access the full program and supporting materials, visit www.answersincme.com forward slash WTE. This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from Bristol Myers Squibb. Hello, everybody. I'm Malin Desai. Uh, I'm a professor of medicine at Cleveland Clinic Lerner College of Medicine and director of the Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy Center at the Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. In terms of the unmet needs in HCM, the first and foremost is rampant underdiagnosis. The second unmet need is underdiagnosis of the obstructive phenotype. And the third is a lack of available, proven, prospectively tested medical therapies, uh, especially before cardiac myosin inhibitors have become available. The first line of therapy for symptomatic management is beta blockers or non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers like verapamil or diltiazem especially if beta blockers are not tolerated. If symptoms persist and severe LV outflow tract obstruction is still present, then we may add on disopyramide or think about uh, septal reduction therapy. However, most of this data is not based on prospective trials. These are all recommendations based on observational data. The gold standard in terms of therapy is septal reduction therapy, but access to high volume, high quality centers currently remains an issue. And depending upon where you end up, your mortality could range from a half a percent all the way to 16%. So clearly there is an unmet need for novel therapies. The underlying pathophysiology in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is one of hypercontractility. It also involves impaired relaxation as well as altered energetics. Cardiac myosin inhibitors work on the sarcomere. They were developed to attenuate the hypercontractility. They help the heart work more efficiently. They utilize, help the heart utilize energy more efficiently. And in the context of obstructive HCM, as we will discuss later in this uh, CME course, they also reduce the left ventricular outflow tract gradient. Mavacampton uh, is a first-in-class cardiac myosin inhibitor, and Aficampton is the next-in-class agent that is currently under development and testing. What they do is they reduce actin-myosin cross-bridging and significantly reduce the hypercontractility and improve the efficiency of the heart. They improve the energetics and in clinical studies have been shown to reduce left ventricular outflow tract obstruction, systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve or SAM, and asso associated with these reductions also help reduce mitral regurgitation. All these play into downstream symptom and gradient improvement as well as disease modulation. In the next session, we will discuss the pivotal trials that have explored the role of cardiac myosin inhibitors in patients with obstructive HCM and their patient eligibility criteria. 
The Explorer HCM trial included a select population of adults with obstructive HCM, specifically NYHA class two or three. Their peak LVOT gradient was greater than 50 millimeters of mercury, and everybody had a preserved ejection fraction of at least 55%. The primary endpoint was defined as either an improvement in at least 1.5 mils per kilo per minute in peak VO2, with at least one NYHA functional class improvement or an improvement of at least three mils per kilo per minute in peak VO2 with no worsening of NYHA class. Based on the positive findings from this trial, the FDA has recently approved the use of Mavacamden in adults with symptomatic NYHA class two or three obstructive HCM. Valor study, in, in this study, uh, the vast majority of the patients were in class three and some patients were in NYHA class four uh, as part of the study. In addition, to be eligible for this trial, the patients needed to have been referred for septal reduction therapy within the past 12 months and also were actively considering scheduling for the procedure. The primary endpoint for Valor HCM study was a composite of the number of patients who decided to proceed with SRT prior to or at week 16 and the number of patients who remain guideline eligible at week 16 in the Mavacampton group compared to the placebo group. When we compared these two trials, there were important differences. The Valor HCM trial was looking at a much sicker population than the Explore HCM trial, including with patients with uh, NYHA class three and higher. In the Valor study, combination background HCM therapy was allowed uh, and so was use of disopyramide. Each and every patient in the Valor trial met criteria for SRT, was referred for SRT, and was actively considering scheduling for SRT. The Redwood HCM trial included a population of adults with obstructive HCM who were symptomatic, specifically class two or three NYHA, and their peak LVOT gradients were 50 millimeters of mercury or higher with preserved EF greater than 60%. The primary endpoint was incidence of adverse events. Sequoia HCM is an ongoing phase three trial which is designed to evaluate Afikhamton in patients with symptomatic obstructive HCM on background medical therapy. The primary endpoint is a change in peak VO2 measured by cardiopulmonary exercise testing. In the next session, let's discuss the latest efficacy data on cardiac myosin inhibitors for the treatment of HCM. In the Explorer HCM trial, the primary endpoints were highly statistically significant in favor of Mavacampton versus placebo, 37% versus 17% of patients, and 1.5 mils peak VO2 with one NYHA class significantly higher in the Mavacampton group. Patients with no significant improvement in NYHA class still had a significant improvement in peak VO2, and both high improvement in peak VO2 and more than one NYHA class improvement was seen in 20% versus 8% patients. Mavacampton also demonstrated significant improvement across all secondary endpoints, as shown in the table. At ACC, the long-term data on Explorer uh, was also presented, and it confirmed clinically meaningful benefits, and more importantly, confirmed that there was no significant difference between the core lab red uh, echo measurements and site red echo measurements. This is a very important finding that will have significant implications in clinical practice. From the Valor trial, 
the results were presented at ACC and the bar graph on the left suggests that after 16 weeks of therapy, 82% patients on mavacamptan no longer remain guideline eligible for SRT versus 77% patients in the placebo arm that continued to maintain guideline eligibility. And this difference was highly statistically significant. Additionally, as the bar graph on the right shows, 63% of patients of mavacamptan had at least one class improvement in NYHA and 27% had a two class improvement uh, in NYHA versus 21% in the placebo arm who had a one class NYHA improvement. Similar to the Explorer findings, the Valor study also showed highly significant improvement in all secondary endpoints, including gradients, KCCQ score, as well as both BNP and troponin biomarkers. The Redwood HCM phase two data similarly suggests a significant improvement in LVOT gradient at 10 weeks with Afikhamton. Three different cohorts were tested. Cohort one had lower doses, cohort two had slightly higher doses, and cohort three had patients also on disopyramide. Again, the impact on gradients was expectedly very good. In the next session, let's discuss the safety data for cardiac myosin inhibitors. As shown in the short-term explorer trial, as well as the long-term extension cohort, the primary concern with cardiac myosin inhibitors is their impact on left ventricular ejection fraction, as shown at weeks 48 and 84. At long-term follow-up, there was no significant reduction in LVEF in the placebo versus Mavacampton group, and there were only minimal differences between central read uh, versus site read of echocardiogram ejection fractions. The p-value was not statistically significant, and this is highly important for us to realize because this strategy of monitoring safety and efficacy based on site read ejection fraction may be appropriate in uh, clinical practice as these drugs uh, these type of uh, molecules get accepted in clinical practice. In the Explorer long-term extension cohort, LV ejection fraction less than 50% was observed in two within the short term, and the remaining side effects were observed in very low proportion as shown in the, uh, in the table. The rate of treatment discontinuation due to various adverse events was also very low. In the Valor study, a similar safety signal was observed uh, however, LV ejection fraction at 16 weeks was not significantly different between placebo and Mavacampton. In the Valor study, there was no patient in whom we had to stop permanently discontinue uh, the drug uh, because of EF drop less than uh, 30%. Two patients on Mavacampton re uh, required temporary discontinuation. As I have alluded to, there were no permanent discontinuations at 16 weeks and no subjects experienced major adverse side effects. The rest of the side effects were observed in a small proportion of patients as shown in this table. Fatigue, nausea, rash, and atrial fibrillation were among the most common side effects observed in the Mavacampton arm. Based on uh, the evidence from the Redwood trial, Afikhamton has been reported to have a similar safety profile to placebo. Cardiac myosin inhibitors appear to be well tolerated. However, it is still important and crucial to understand their mechanism of action and be very cognizant of its potential impact on left ventricular ejection fraction. Having said that, current long-term monitoring strategies appear to be safe and very effective. 
In the next session, let's discuss practical consideration for managing patients with HCM who are, move, who are receiving cardiac myosin inhibitors. The FDA has recently approved Mavacamten under the REMS program, and clinicians must have a cl clear understanding of the management plan. The most important and the primary consideration is going to be left ventricular ejection fraction. A drop in EF alone may not be symptomatic, but if it goes unchecked, then the patient may develop heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, which is why it is important to be on top of their periodic echocardiograms. It is not recommended to initiate treatment with Mavacamten when EF is less than 50%, and there must be a mitigation plan in case EF, left ventricular EF drops to less than 50% or there's worsening of their clinical status. Because of its mechanism of action, it is also important to realize that Mavacamten interacts with CYP450 inhibitors, and it is recommended that providers understand what drugs are contraindicated. A couple of proton inhibitors, for instance, must be dis discontinued, and, but there are others that can be considered in that context. It is recommended that the drug be started at a dose of five milligrams and that the patient come in for monthly echoes for the first three months. If the EF is less than 50%, then the treatment must be interrupted and uh, ejection fraction must be rechecked uh, and it should not be resumed till the EF improved. If the EF is uh, less than 50% uh, on a 2.5 milligrams dose, then the drug should be permanently discontinued. If the EF becomes more than 50%, then it is recommended to start the uh, drug back at a slightly lower dose compared to prior. If it was interrupted at 2.5 milligrams, then it is recommended to restart at 2.5 milligrams. It is crucial and important to recheck the clinical status and echo at four weeks and maintain the dose for the next eight weeks unless the EF is again less than 50%. So if you had to stop the therapy for some reason, you have to recognize that the patient may have an issue with EF. So a little bit more careful up titration is recommended. So in summary, we are entering into an exciting new phase in the management of patients with obstructive HCM. The renewed emphasis on improving diagnosis, in my opinion, will go a long way towards ensuring that we are appropriately diagnosing these patients, the renewed focus on imaging to further optimally characterize LV outflow tract obstruction will also ensure that we are not underdiagnosing or misdiagnosing these patients. With these new developments also come responsibility. We must understand the long-term safety, efficacy, and outcomes with these uh, emerging new exciting therapies. Thank you for listening. Please visit www.answersincme.com forward slash WTE to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.